Welcome to the DEI Discussions podcast series. This is the Women of Fintech chapter, and we are here today to celebrate the wins, raise awareness of the challenges, and walk the talk for change across the entire financial technology industry. Today, we are joined by Freya Wigan, Fintech Woman of the Year finalist and Standout 45 Women in Fintech Powerlist. She is here today to share how she walks the talk for inclusion in our sector and what more she wants done. Freya, welcome. It is great to have you with us. Hi, Nadia. Thanks so much for inviting me along. Really excited. So tell us about your new role at Willis Towers Watson. Awesome. Yes. So I've been in this role for about three months now. So I'm in the product team looking after a product life site. So it's pension product. And I specifically look after our app. So making sure that we are ahead of the times, we're a leading technology provider, making sure that our members get the best experience. And it also means that I get to work with some really exciting fintechs as well. So yeah, really cool role. Yeah, sounds so. And I love your career journey. Can you share some of that with us as well, please? Yeah, yeah. So I kind of ended up in finance by accident. I read geography at university and I actually did an economics module. I got a C at GCSE maths, but I actually did really well in this module. So I was like, oh. So I started to have a look at sort of finance grad programs and I ended up on a wealth management grad program. And that was one that you did different rotations in. And then I ended up in a role that combined advice with technology. And I absolutely loved it. I found it really exciting, even though I didn't have the technical advice qualification, so I wasn't chartered. But that sort of really helped me develop and understand is that you don't really need to be technical to actually work in a product and a tech role. So that sort of grew. So I was the product owner of our advice tools and that serviced around 4,500 financial advisors. So it was a really cool role. It meant that I got to work with loads of really exciting fintechs and develop those with financial advisors. And then after that, I moved into a startup. So we made calculators and pension tools for some of the biggest insurers and banks in the UK, which was really exciting. And the nitty gritty of the development team. And then after that, I moved back into the corporate world, Willis Towers Watson, and yeah, running the pension product life site. This is super, super interesting. And I love how you've just described that about maths and then what really got you excited within this journey of your career. I'd love for you to tell us more around your expectations versus reality, because I remember you telling me that you were told that finance wouldn't be for you. And look at you now in the power list and the standout 45 from Innovate Finance. Yeah, I think it's a massive misconception that you have to be technical, really good at maths, have all these letters after your name to actually excel in finance and the tech industry. I think one thing I've learned is that after I got that CAGCC maths, A, it really put me off. I think it's all about sort of the teachers that you have and people who develop you and get you excited. Even though bizarrely, I did actually really enjoy maths. I just clearly wasn't great but it also means that you can then get into careers that have these sort of preconceived conceptions is that you have to be really technical you need to learn how to code you need to be chartered in order to deliver and I think sometimes that can hold especially women back and sometimes we're actually overqualified the large majority of the time I'm a big believer is that you don't need to do exams I've done product owner courses scrum master courses And they've been useful from a theory perspective, but the industry that we're in is that theory is changing constantly. Best practice is changing constantly. So I think I'm a big believer is that you have to 
be in a role and to be hands-on and to learn and not to let preconceived barriers that you have to be technical. You have to be a finance whiz and I've done the CFA to be able to work in financial services. You just have to have that real eagerness to be able to learn and tech is such an exciting industry to be in and I think especially what I really want to see is younger women thinking of this as a career option for them which I know we'll go into a little bit later and really keen to pave that way for change to make sure more women get into this industry. And what a brilliant mission that you're on and it's great to see that you're making as much impact as you are as well. Something that I know that you're very vocal about is that there's lots of routes into fintech and you've seen many of them. So I'd love for you to share some of them with us now. Yeah, yeah. So as I say, I started on a grad program and ended up into fintech and that was partly, I think the rotational part was useful because that means that I got to try lots of different areas of big corporate businesses and what I liked and what I didn't like. But as times have developed, there are loads of MSCs in fintech. You've also got loads of boot camps, which depending on what you want to do, if you want to do coding, if you want to do product owner courses, there's loads of courses online, which are often free. Loads of YouTube videos that are by industry experts. Loads of posts on LinkedIn. I know you and I are a big fan of following people in the fintech industry on LinkedIn. And they're constantly keeping up with how times are changing in sort of the world that we're in around products, specifically the ones that I follow, and how I can develop myself and continue learning. Because I feel like no one is the full final package. We all need to make sure that we're keeping ahead of the times. But yeah, there's loads of different routes in. So you can either go into sort of engineering, you can go into the product world that I'm in. I don't know how to code, but I do know how to build products from scratch and work with engineering, which is probably a qualification in itself, to be able to translate that technical knowledge into business knowledge, which again, only comes from experience. It's not something that you can learn from a book or from an exam. But you've also got comms and marketing roles as well. So, you know, what's your go-to-market strategy on your product? There are all areas in sort of the tech world that you're able to go into. And I think that they're not spoken about enough that you don't just need to be a coder or a front-end or a back-end engineer to be able to be successful. There are a variety of roles. You've got customer success, business development managers who go out and actually engage clients from a sales perspective. Loads of really exciting roles in fintech. I think you're absolutely right. Like these roles need to be discussed more. They need to be celebrated more. This is why I love this podcast, to be able to say, look, this is what someone's doing and look how successful they are. And actually, as an industry, these types of roles are going to be even more in demand as well as it grows. I'm really hoping that allows for the move forward and the inclusion that we're looking for. Tell us a bit more about Femtech. So I started Fentech because I know we've spoken about this previously, but I went to loads of women in finance events and I found I left really inspired, but I didn't really feel like I took anything away from that. It was, this is my career journey. This is how I ended up as VP of product, but they didn't mention, okay, this is the tangible actions that I took to do that. This is what I wish that I'd learned that helped me do this. These are the top five skills that you need to be able to do. So what I wanted to do is to create a platform that brings women together in fintech and men. So it's not just a women only club, but which you've got sort of 20 minute learning sessions that you're able to actually digest that information. So it's learn how to write pieces of HTML, learn how to design mobile first, 
what are those key interview questions that you're going to be asked in a product interview? Some of the more tangible aspects that will actually help and develop your career. And I also frankly started it because when I was starting out, I was the only woman in my team. And that has followed until actually now. My current team is that we've got more women than men. But I didn't see anyone at that level that I aspired to in fintech. And I think that's really important because if you can't see it, you need to make the change. So what I wanted to do is to create a platform that young women who are might be thinking about, actually, I don't really want to go to uni, but I'm really interested in tech. Let's create a platform where we can show all these amazing women who have got all of these amazing careers, which are really interesting and exciting in fintech, and actually teach them tangible skills and lessons that they wish that they knew starting out, which A, either help accelerate their career or is actually tangible skills that they have in their role currently. So it's from all sort of ranges from CEOs to actual back-end engineers that we work with. So yeah, something I'm super passionate about, A, just making it more accessible of an industry to get into, but also making from a learning perspective that these young women starting out have got sort of the tools and tips that they need. Super powerful work and I love everything you're doing there and any support you need from me, I'll, I'll always be there for it. And I feel like this, are you being a champion for inclusion, you're actually really helping others be champions for inclusion also, which is the real piece that makes me excited. With regards to this whole need to continue championing inclusion in the workplace, how far do you think we've come? So my background in wealth management and finance, I've already spoken that I was the only woman in my team. There are not many senior females out there in finance, around 17% of senior leadership positions in fintech held by women, which is terrible. So I think we have come a long way and that's only by exploring these women from my work with femtech as I can see actually, there are some really cool women out there who are in that sort of VP level. But I think there's so much more that needs to be done, which I know we'll touch on wider strategies around I and D and what we want to see more of. We've done some work and I think your podcasts, it's the work that's happening in the wider industry of how can we actually get some more young women into fintech. But I think it's there's not enough that's being done to support those young women into roles. And because it's such a fast-paced industry, you'll find women will progress quickly, but there are, there's a gap on those tangible skills and those leadership skills. So that's something that I'm super passionate about is making sure that we actually set women up for success and create those environments that allow them to excel. This is so important. People in the industry are talking a lot about how do we bridge this gap? How do we reduce the gap? How do we erase the gap? But if we're not setting people up for success, there is no how. You know, that's <laughs> a fundamental piece of it. I also want you to share your own experience of leading whilst being younger than those you lead, because this is another dynamic to the conversation. So I have been the youngest product manager in the roles that I've had so far and I think that it's a superpower really because I see things through a different lens so I see different strategic opportunities through a different lens I see partnerships through a different lens I see even from a user perspective through a different lens especially in the world of finance and pension space pensions is normally an older demographic when you think of the word pensions but actually what I do now and how I contribute to my pension is super important so we need to make sure that we're actively engaging 
at my age, if not younger. So I think that it's a strength, but I have had times where it hasn't felt like a strength and it's actually been harder because as a product manager, you have to develop and build a product without having direct responsibility of those who are building that product for you. So I think it's a really key skill to be able to develop. And again, you can't learn it through theory. You have to do it by doing. Once you're able to take people on a journey with you, explain what's the benefits. When you're building something from start to finish without direct authority over the people who are actually building that, that can be really tough. So you have to make sure that you are exercising that authority without direct authority, which is really difficult to do. So I'm a big champion of, again, from a support piece of how from even just coaching is as you go and you learn that, how can we be better at teaching people that skill? And in fairness, it's a really hard skill to teach someone, but it is, you just learn as you go is that some people might be less receptive to you because you're younger, but actually you have to think is, this is my superpower. I see things differently. I've got that energy drive to push this forward through the way of my lens that I see things. So I think definitely as a product manager, that can be a barrier, but I also think it's the most important lesson to be able to develop because that will then help you all throughout your career because you will always have to try and have authority over different teams without directly leading them to complete your projects, whichever path that you've taken in your career. So I think it's a really valuable skill to have. And even when you have those barriers at the start, they're all really helpful lessons to help you progress your career. Thank you for sharing that story, because I think it's so important that we are able to talk to one another about when we are underestimated and how we deal with that. And you just explaining that this is your superpower and working with those around you to understand this diversity of thought, this different perspective is so needed within the industries that that we're working in and without it we are lesser off Uh, definitely and it's something that I'm super passionate about and with my work with femtech and I work with school of code and university of birmingham it's those those key tangible skills on actually being able to lead a team no one really teaches you and when you go into the workplace it's oh I have never done this before how do I navigate So I'm really passionate on what we can do as an industry to be more supportive to both men and women in those roles and how we can think around different coaching aspects as well. Yeah, absolutely. The coaching is key. So just on that thread, I always love to ask as my final question in these podcasts, what more should we all be doing for genuine workplace inclusion? I've got a couple of things. That's okay. (laughs) So what I'm super passionate about is flexible working is all narrated around women, basically. I don't know whether you find this as well. And I'm a really big, passionate believer around men should be able to work as flexibly. And it would be great to see more senior men working flexibly, setting the tone for A, their male colleagues who are coming up the chain into those senior leadership positions. Please don't send an email when you're on holiday or if you're on paternity leave, like it sets a bad example. So I'm really passionate about men who work part time, who work flexibly, because you then set an example to those who are following your footsteps. Also, I think we've touched on coaching and learning in the workplace. 
I always found that those public speaking, people management coaching is only offered when you're in those senior positions. And I think that's too late. So I'd be really keen on spending, investing that money in your female cohort early so they're able to develop those skills instead of putting them into a position where they need to manage a team of 80 and they haven't had that learning and experience. Again, it's setting up for success. Some people might be able to do that, but the vast majority won't. So the more that you can do to focus on learning and developing your female work workforce is for the better, really. And then lastly, and you probably agree with me on this one, is International Women's Day. So it's always my bugbear when you go onto LinkedIn and you see all these purple cakes and all these photos of women who are doing the hand signs for these big corporates. And you don't see the tangible, okay, what have you done that calendar year for your employee benefits? What have you done about your gender pay gap? What have you done about extending and paying more for the women who are on maternity leave and men? I would really love to see with companies being more upfront around those tangible changes. No one cares about the purple cakes that you bake for International Women's Day. We need to be less frightened about being honest with what we're doing in the gender space for fears of sort of backlash. I think the more upfront companies are, I was actually saying our gender pay gap is pretty bad, but this is what we're doing to be able to work on it. This is our strategy, for example, for the next five years. That's something that I would really love to see is companies being more authentic of what they're actually doing and improving in that space. Absolutely. And again, that's really got my brain going, like thinking about how we can start now to drive next International Women's Day to be more focused on what have we actually achieved and committing to achieve rather than a hashtag and it's fine to say actually we haven't made that much progress but this is what we're going to do to be better but i think the more authentic and honest you are is you're paving the way to be a leader in that space i'm a big believer of that absolutely and look today you have shared so much with us there's so many learning points there's so many things that can be implemented into businesses right away from what you've shared with us it's been a wonderful 20 minutes listening to your journey and learning what we can implement so thank you for joining me on the DEI discussions podcast series thanks for having me